0: i Spaces And welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring Mask Network. Let's take a listen.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's Akash Weekly Twitter Spaces. I'm Nadia Bahuelo, Community Events Manager here at Overclock Labs. I hope everyone here now, listening or watching later, is having a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you're joining from. Before we dive into our spaces today, I do wanna take a moment to thank you guys for being a part of the Akash community. Thank you guys for sending in your questions for our AMA with Greg. We already have a question for mask and a few questions for Greg. Thank you guys so much. Um, And thanks to this amazing and ever-growing community we've hit, and really Web3 infrastructure has hit an important milestone. Greg will have more. So guys, keep deploying and keep spreading the word. Right now, you can start getting involved by smashing those emoji buttons to show Greg and our guests that you're enjoying their chat with us. You can also send in your questions for today's AMA segment. Get your questions in on today's spaces by requesting to speak. We'll then bring you up so you can ask your question. But once on stage, guys, we do ask that you please remain on mute and we'll call on you when it's your turn. If you can't unmute, no worries. Reply to the pinned tweet that you will see right above my head in the Spaces room. Before Greg takes it away for updates, here are some things for you guys to check out during the week. Join our community on Telegram and Discord. New Dad Andre is back with more for you than ever. This Friday, Mask returns with an AMA on Telegram at 10 a.m. UTC with a quiz immediately following. Prize pool is 2,000 Mask plus a chance to grab one of five testing spots to test new features on Mask Network. Over on Discord, look out for quizzes from Andre every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific with 200 AKT in rewards and five winners. Get started deploying on Akash, guys. Check out our documentation by visiting docs.akash.network. For a bit more support on your Akash journey, the best place to go is our Discord. You'll find our Director of Technical Support, Scott Carruthers, Akash Insiders, and others there to help you guys out. You can also watch our technical program manager, Alani Kuya, walk you through your first deployment on our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, and tap that bell icon. If you want to spread the word about Akash and help the project grow, learn about becoming an Akash Insider at akash.network slash community. Speaking of insiders, this week, Akash Insider, Del Rey's, guest post will go live. Check it out at akash.network slash blog. And while you're there, check out more articles. Our very own Zach Horn has put together lots for you guys. For those of you who have an idea for a project on Akash, join our grant program. For details, check out our YouTube video on Akash Accelerator and visit akash.network slash akash dash accelerator. With that, let's get started with today's spaces. Greg will kick us off with updates. It was a busy week with exciting announcements and lots happening on the partnership front. After updates, we'll give you guys a full introduction to our guest, Kaori Hero, project lead and co-founder at Mask Network. Also, he's been amazing. Guys, he has woken up at a crazy hour of the morning to be here with us today. During our guest segment, we'll be asking Kauri about MASK, their roadmap, their unique approach to fundraising, and their experience with Akash. Then I have a question for both Kauri and Greg on Web3 Adoption, and we'll wrap up with an AMA with Greg and our guest. We'll meet Kauri Hero just after updates, but for right now, let's hand it off to the man of the hour and CEO of Overclock Labs, Greg Osuri. Take it away, Greg.
2: Thanks so much, Nadia. Wow, what a week has it been for Akash community? I mean, the biggest news is we have a US Department of Defense website, one of the websites running on Akash. And uh, it happened because one of our community members that we love and uh, adore, um, Anthony Rosa, who also runs uh, um, the Altri uh oh, sorry, the, the, the multi audits, name um for akash and a validator uh he's been an akash you know user community member for a very long time he's been a developer uh he introduced uh, him and a bunch of uh, uh airmen um and guardians from the space force introduced the idea of using decentralized infrastructure for securing uh u.s uh army and u.s military assets right and uh Obviously, the technology resonated with the uh, with the with the judges. I think it was a lieutenant general level uh, who really got excited of the fact that that they can reduce dependency on centralized closed systems uh, and open uh, decentralized systems as a viable alternative. Um, so this is um, this is amazing because uh, we we anticipated this level of involvement a long time ago. We've been arguing the fact that open technologies are the future because they, you know, reduce reliance. Like, think about how much of uh, how much of uh, money and uh, you know time investment uh, goes into Amazon's really centralized systems that have a lot of control and more often than not become choke points for uh, for combat operations or anything strategically important. It's important for our government to to operate without reliance on closed technologies, right? So this is a very, very important step. Uh, and most importantly, it happened uh, from a community member. And this is exactly why we, you know, we focus so much on developers in the early stages and enabling developers. So developers can then uh, apply the technologies that we build in the way that they see fit. Uh, in uh, different environments. And this is the kind of network effects we talk about for Web3 uh, that are bound to go up, right? So, the most important thing from a project standpoint is for us to keep building, keep shipping features, keep improving the system uh, in a manner that it opens up a lot more use cases, as such, right? And uh, before you know it, this, you know, the decentralization is going to be in the center stage. Um, and uh, really cool to see how and, and the categories. This uh, you know this uh, award was given was uh, the the most interesting thing uh, category was was uh, I think it's called most tactically relevant for cyber operation, right? So it clearly shows that you uh, know Secret Network, which is uh, our phenomenal uh, network, another Cosmos chain, the privacy preserving chain, uh, it was used in conjunction with a Network, right? a fully sovereign um, cloud platform with a privacy preserving technology. Um, and really good news is coming. Uh, we have Mainnet 4 that's coming very, very soon. Uh, we'll be announcing the dates probably in, in a week. Uh, Mainnet 4 will have interchain accounts. Uh, this has been a feature that's been requested quite a lot by a community. And uh, what that means is it'll enable secret network to deploy directly from secret onto Akash using a secret account. So they, that takes privacy preserving capability to the next level with sovereign deployments, right? So I've been teasing the community about secret deployments, and, uh, and that's coming uh, in maybe in three weeks, right? So mainnet four will have uh, interchain accounts, so it'll have IP leasing, and also have provider client 2.0, which is a much improved, much stable provider, uh, Provide a client for for a So keep an eye out. The tech tech is getting better and better, and uh, we will have interchain accounts in um, in uh, in testnet maybe end of the week. So you know you'll, you're you're going to see a of uh, you're going to see uh, quite a lot of integrations with uh, with um, Juno and Secret before it goes to mainnet. So when once we go mainnet four, we'll have a lot of exciting uh, exciting integrations already in play. It's going to be a lot of build, build, build for Akash Network uh, with all these amazing features coming very, very shortly. So uh, I'm super excited. It's been such an incredible week, um, and uh, I mean, moving on to other uh, amazing things. We saw, we saw a, a new ecosystem partner, by twenty three, which is a validator. They moved their website to Akash. We're very, very, very amazing to see uh, Cosmos ecosystem slowly one by one moving to Akash. I mean, at this time, I think we are pretty much, if you count like market share by the number of participants using Akash in Cosmos, I think we have pretty deep penetration. We're going to do a small study. Uh, we're going to analyze all the players, both be it validators, be it project websites, be it anybody that has to do with Cosmos and how many of them are actually using Akash. I think the number is pretty high uh, in terms of percentage. So we'll do the study very soon, but I'm really excited. Uh, so every time I see a validator moving their infrastructure or Akash, that's an amazing sign for Akash. So welcome by 23 uh, and uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. And uh, uh, Leap Cosmos, which is a new wallet, uh, introduced the integration into Akash. Another protocol client, another option for Akash, AKT holders and AKT operators. Uh, Leap is definitely taking its place uh, in 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 the Cosmos ecosystem. It's making a lot of noise. People seem to be excited about Leap, so uh, them integrating Akash is uh, is a really good news for us. Um, and uh, Chia posted a blog uh, about uh, recently uh, talking about Akash and how they are actually using Akash and how uh, Akash um, you know helping chia be more central uh, decentralized it's really good news i mean chia and they're talking about in their blog uh, always is is uh, you know works out really good because other people discover and chia is also very very exciting i mean I, the more i learn about chia the more i get, get i get excited i think they're trying to solve the the no stake problem uh you know the no stake problem in in proof of stake systems which is which is kind of very interesting and and one of the most Prominent attack vectors where, you know, uh, stake uh, where validators could get very powerful and start like spinning off their own chains, which is not a non-zero possibility. I think Chia is trying to solve that. Uh, if you want to learn more about how uh, how Chia or if, you know, is is trying to do that, uh, check out David Sai. Uh, David Sai is a Stanford professor who's uh, the founder of Babylon Chain. This podcast on uh zero knowledge it's very exciting uh things what uh what chia network is doing i think you know akash is bridging the gap by bringing chia to uh, to cosmos first by helping them get more decentralized uh, by lowering the cost of uh, of operations of of participation in chia network itself and uh hopefully i think uh with with, with lots of uh, stuff happening in the ibc space we can Hopefully we will be able to uh, interoperate with Chia. Chia is very exciting, interesting model. I think I'm also very excited about the fact that it it is uh, founded by Bram Cohen. Bram Cohen founded uh, BitTorrent and he's extremely, um, uh, very, very smart guy. We see a lot more of, of Chia action uh, happening. Uh, Sh- Shimpa, our community member, um, uh, deployed, uh, like paid 41 dollars for 430 chia plots that's amazing that's like less than one cent, less than 10 cents a plot right i mean i don't know how long this is going to go on this, this amazing like you know uh discounts but hey take leverage this as long as we have compute there seems to be quite a lot of like uh you know uh, quite a lot of like opportunity here i think uh if you're in chia minor please uh check out akash it's it's a no-brainer uh and we don't know how long this is going to last. So, because Akash is an open marketplace, but uh, getting there, uh, we saw quite a lot of in Akash, like there's a lot of education and a lot of training comes beyond Akash. Now, Speron, which I've been talking about quite a lot recently, uh, which is a protocol client, uh, started uh, doing technical workshops all over India. And they announced, um, and, and this weekend they did one in, in uh, Hyderabad. Uh, which is actually my hometown kind of my, my hometown uh, uh, next to where I grew up so it's really exciting to see penetration there. Uh, Speron did some amazing workshop we had Alani from our team uh, do a remote uh, presence there it was a packed house I think India is uh, is crazy I think a lot of the success for Solana ecosystem came from India and uh, India is this very uh, incredible uh, you know developer community for us to be able to tap onto this community without our physical presence there it's our communities it's, it's our ecosystem that's actually enhancing our presence um i l- love seeing stuff like this i think more I-, I love to see more ecosystem participation in in improving education for akash and getting people to a workshop where you can learn about akash or so walkthrough workshops are incredibly amazing i learned a lot of technologies through workshops i really like them so Seeing uh, our, our partners like do these workshops is is, uh, is amazing. Um, with that, uh, I think we have uh, I mean, one more thing. I uh, I was invited to speak on Masari's um, uh, Twitter Spaces. For those of you that don't know what Masari is, it is one of the most respected uh, uh, analysts in crypto. It is called the Bloomberg of crypto. So Masari has deep integration with Bloomberg terminals. Everything that happens on Masari ends up in the blue Terminal, uh, And I was uh, invited to speak on their, uh, their spaces this Friday uh, about decentralization at the base layer and censorship attacks. As we know, crypto right now is on a major assault by censorship as well as, um, you know, as well as outright banning. You saw what Hetzner did and uh, talking about Hetzner, you know, we, we introduced a program. To uh, invite people that were affected by Hetzner's ban, uh, ban onto Akash. Um, and we, we we sold out the spots. We are offering them free hosting. I think we'll still keep offering. If you are on Hetzner, if you're, if you, you Hetzner banned you, if you want to deploy, please come talk to us. We'll set you up with a free account to get started on Akash. But, uh, you know, as I said, like, uh, I'm going to go on talking about why decentralization is important. start in the cloud basically is, is a kill switch. and we were doing some analysis yesterday uh, about actual cost of like centralization and it's just beyond just running a uh, decentralized networks. I realize I mean uh, uh, A16Z Anderson Horowitz has a blog post out there that talks about cost of cloud, the true cost of cloud. turns out 50% of all the cloud services we use like notion, like Asana like Netflix, like name it, right? From the time we wake up to the time you sleep, we interact uh, with a computer, uh, with a cloud. So every uh, service that we, we use, 50% on average of the costs, of the margins actually goes to, to, to the big cloud, to the cloud providers. It's incredible. So half of every dollar we pay to cloud services, all of us goes to Uncle Jeff. Which is incredible if you think about it, the rent-seeking model that that, that was created—the invisible rent seeker—that we all don't realize how big and how important the cloud plays in our everyday lives. Right, fifty percent of all our all our costs uh, that we spend online on services goes to the cloud. So decentralization is not only important to ensure that we don't have we ensure that we have a censorship-resistant, sovereign network, but also just reduce the Cost of the globe, especially in times are difficult in, in in these terminals high inflation times, right? So, and Akash is delivering, right? I mean, Akash, if it's Akash is good enough for a U.S. Department of Defense website, I think Akash is good enough for a lot of folks, right? So, these proof points are proving to daily proving to prove the fact that we have a viable technology that is secure, that is that is ready, that is that is you know growing and then we have this bigger problem which is the centralization of the cloud that is you know that outright can decide one day to ban decentralization right and uh, it's very, we're in a very critical juncture uh, right now and so the another amazing thing about uh, a government especially us uh, uh, dod which is i think the purest form of government right out of all the agencies i respect the defense forces and respect uh, the military because because they are purists they are they are they don't care about anything else except protection our uh, protection and them really looking at technology and 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 putting a stamp is such an amazing feature and I, if any department if any branch of, uh, of government would use i i would, I would prefer uh, the us military uh, as a first user of a cash right so when you have like these amazing uh, uh, uh you know uh, proof points uh, and while we have like government also banning crypto, I think it's very important for us to showcase these important proof points, so that overall policy uh, will be uh, will take into consideration that that the decentralization technologies are used to uh, you know for a lot better purposes than illicit purposes. So I'll be talking about a lot of that in this Friday uh, at one thirty p.m. Eastern time. I think it's 30 p.m. Pacific. So join me in Masari's uh, minute. Talking with Masari, I'm going to be speaking next week in New York at the Masari Mainnet event. So if you are around New York City, hit me up. You know, there may or may not be a party. We don't know. But hit me up. Uh, if, you know, we will maybe we can get together if I'm when you're in New York. So with that, I'm excited to welcome our, uh, our new ecosystem partner, MassQ. Um, and uh, Nadia?
1: Thanks, Greg. Yeah, what a great. Week full of exciting announcements. So, guys, our special guest today is Kauri Hero, project lead and co founder at Mask Network. Kauri Hero has spent over a decade running high performance teams in several industries, including finance, supply chain, logistics, project management, technical sales, and network development. With over 12 years of business management experience coupled with a technical career background in industrial engineering, His high-level coordination, understanding of technical nuances, and strategic execution is a key component that drives success in Web3 privacy-designed applications and distributed network technologies. Kauri holds degrees in industrial systems engineering, sales engineering, and business management. He lives with his family in New Zealand, enjoying the outdoors and beautiful landscapes, camping, speaking with business groups, and networking with enthusiasts around privacy and internet freedom. Kauri, welcome. Aside from us dragging you out of bed at 3 a.m. on a cold New Zealand winter morning, how are you today?
3: (laughs) Um, Well, I didn't actually get out of bed. I decided to stay up and just get ready and prime myself. So I'm, I'm good. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: Oof, all right. Well, thank you for doing that. Um, hope you had lots of coffee. All right. So, Calrie, can you please give us an overview of masks? What do you guys do and why do you do it?
3: Absolutely. So um, at Mask, you know, our our vision is to to deliver a user-first Web3 browser experience uh, with privacy as as a design. Uh, We've we've coined this borderless browsing. Um, So we've made the Mask app. And so it's easy to use. It's got a beautiful interface, fun to navigate, uh, packed with features that Web2 or Web3 natives will enjoy using every day. And yes, it's powered through peer-to-peer payments with crypto without the need for subscriptions, credit cards, uh, or personal accounts. Um, And I know you asked, you know, why do we do it? So that's super important. I mean, why we're building this is equally important for us uh, at MASK as well. Because speaking personally, I don't like the idea of a future where big data corporations and governments know everything that you do. They control what you see and read online. They can inspect what you spend money on, you know, hint, hint, CBDCs on the horizon, um, and even restrict what you can chat about with your friends and family. So um, even Greg just touched on things like, the cent- you know, centralized gatekeepers. Um, these freedoms are slowly, you know, being eroded right in front of us. Um, or we're in a situation where a lot of our personal information is being monetized and sold to the highest bidder. And there's no regard or less, much less regard for user privacy. Um, man, Greg really is on the same, like, you know, mental um, riffs as me. We also believe at Mask that censorship is wrong, especially in the digital information space. It is a form of human discrimination. So we are we are building this to be anti-censorship um, or censorship resistance. resistant. There are, you know, lots of tools out there. Uh, To help break out from stronger regions, facing censorship in the world. Uh, But these tools are not always effective and users can face major consequences for using them. Um, So at MASK, you know, we we believe all people have the right to speak their truth online, you know, watch and access what they want, and most importantly, access the content that's hosted in a place like the UK or USA from places like China, Russia, and other repressed countries. You know, that's all a critical part of why the Web3 movement. You know, is really so important for the future um, of the digital landscape because if users own the content, and you know, I I really like the graphic that a six sixteen Z put out where, and I think it was from possibly Gavin Wood, but you know, Web Web One was read, Web Two was read and write, and Web Three's read, write, and own. But here we have the chance in Web Three for users to not only own the content but own the infrastructure. And, like that's pointing right at Akash, and that's pointing right at Mask, that we have a chance to truly control our personal information, preserve our freedoms, and interact without borders. So on to what Mask actually does to achieve it, you know i' I've made some mental notes not to go really deep into the tech today. I want to reach, you know all different technical minded people and not so technical minded people. Um, here's how I've summed it up, not, not just coming up with this at three am. If VPN and Tor had a baby, you could name it mask. So basically, we've combined the proven concepts of both those technologies, packaged it into a software. So it's, it's allowing users to connect from around the world anonymously and safely transport content across each other into a curated Web3 browser. So that's why we're calling it Web3 browsing. And the technology also allows no single user to know who or where the other users in the network are, not even our mask team. So, you know, we don't know where all the nodes are and users are being run and we don't know, you know, how often they're on and off. So it's it's really like privacy is, is the design um, and importantly. Lots of people in in the Akash community, they, you know, they're sharing their computing resources and it's incentivized. So same thing at at Mask, we've incentivized users to share their bandwidth across the Mask network. And as serving users earn Mask, browsing users on the other side will pay Mask as they click uh, in their browser to use the software. Uh, And what's even cooler is as a Mask user, you know, if your bandwidth is is reasonable, you can actually serve and earn at this in the same software at the same time. So you might just be doing, you know, browsing it to your heart's delight for no cost because, you know, you're you're sharing your bandwidth as well. Um, So, yeah, we've built a way to take control and importantly, share your digital freedoms from around the world while creating a pathway into Web3. But without just slapping that Web3 buzzword on a crypto project and saying, hey, everyone, we're part of it. We've built it and we've actually proven it works.
1: Thanks, Kauri. Thank you for that overview. Borderless browsing. Love that. Um, And couldn't agree with you more. Uh, You've touched a little bit on this, I think, but could you walk us through your roadmap and tell us where you are on your roadmap today and what you're working on right now?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've come a long way um, from very humble beginnings, too. But, uh, you know, I think we we've uh, we've got a good history now. Um, We've accomplished some major Milestones, but uh, we operate a little differently at Mask. You know, we've got a more holistic roadmap approach. Uh, we we use milestone features and you know scaling the user network uh, more as the roadmap to showcase our pro our progress as a project. A uh, very much under promise over deliver type of approach. Um, but some of the major milestones that we have achieved uh, was, most importantly, we've proven the software works. We've got real people using it now. Um, we've got a refined Web3 browser app. It works on Windows, Mac, we squashed all the Mac Gremlins. I better not jinx it, but you know that was a mission um, with the M1 chipset as well for those who love their M1s and the latest stuff. Um, and it works on Linux too. We've shipped it for Linux, and have just last week achieved a new all-time Record of over a hundred active users online at the same time. So for us, it's a big deal. It's the most we've ever done. These are real users, real members of our community, and you can check out the live feedback every day uh, in our Discord because pretty much every day the testers and real people are like testing and commenting and showing screenshots and stuff. Um, Nadia, can I give a Discord plug for our Discord if they want to join?
1: Of course, yeah. It's what we're here for. Go for it. Yeah. How can we learn more?
3: Nice, nice. Okay, well, hop in and join. It's discord.gg/mask. So that's M A S Q. Uh, the app is in closed beta. Uh, we are onboarding users slowly through promotions. We've put out some new bounties, more to come, and partnerships. Um, and that said, I'm real excited about this collaboration with Akash. The more I learn about, it, the more excited I am. So we've got a little like flash promo now. I want to I want to put out there. Um, go ahead and hop into our Discord now. Jump in the general channel, type in I want mask beta and the uh, me and the moderators will pick three of you to join pretty much straight away. You can get that software, you can try it out and you can share with everyone, you know, how it is, how it works. Yeah, There's a few bugs here and there, you know, um, have an open mind, but it is working pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so that's a way for some of you to get involved straight away.
1: So, Kauri, um, I've got yeah. a question for you before we jump into your experience with Akash and a little bit more about that. Um, sure. One thing that that really stands out about Mask is your approach to fundraising. What inspired you guys to forego traditional fundraising or the ICO route that's so common in the crypto space?
3: Yeah, that's a real interesting question. Um Because it's certainly quite unique to the space to not have formal funding, you know, like most projects, they go through the typical ICO, private investor, VC rounds or private sales. So, um, you know, there's two main things that come to mind. The first was that uh, our founders at the time, we all agreed there were so many projects and some similar ones in our tech space uh, that were just acting really unprofessionally with, um, you know, with public funds, with ICO funds. We thought it would be like in horrible taste to try and ask the public to support us, you know, without even having a, a, you know, our, our working product refined and a real user experience. So we decided to forego that and instead do more of a distributed uh, approach where we airdropped, you know, a community of people and, uh, and did it that way. So, you know, it was quite a, it was actually very experimental time um, and it, we're still here almost three years later. So that's pretty amazing. Um, the second thing was whenever you do, and a lot of founders will probably attest to this. If you ever do a token sale or private rounds or VC funding, you do become beholden to those that, that basically gave you money. Um, and it can, it can be very disruptive to your development and growth, uh, especially in the world of software development, you know, projects, you know, you could have problems that exist for many months and we've all, seen projects live and die on on FUD and and bad PR and it can get fueled easily by token holders who may feel like they didn't get you know led down the right track or or if it isn't a real good project like the white paper and a fancy website was what thought they thought the next big thing was coming so overall we wanted to give it give it a push from a grassroots level Uh, with a small group of loyal supporters um, who donated ETH to us to fund us an airdrop we did, and um, eventually an LP pool uh, from an old friend who started a a decentralized exchange in the Link ecosystem. And the rest is history. Now we're still moving along, and um, some of our best and most important contributors are from the community, including some of our developers. So we're really proud of that as well.
1: Very cool. So, Cowie, tell us how did you first hear about Akash?
3: Yeah, you you guys are um you're well you're getting well known. Um, to be honest, I was watching some of you uh, some of your stuff since October last year uh, along with a few similar projects that had you know tried to approach the space with the centralized cloud computing. Um, but I really like the brand and just the fact that you got this really good cadence to your growth and and um, development and consistent marketing with a consistent ecosystem message, uh, and the fact that you're well supported with your developers and an active community. So you know, hats off to all of you guys in the team, guys and girls, you know, for working hard and and getting to this point. And and congrats on all those um, amazing updates from from you, Greg, this week. That's really cool to hear.
1: Thank you. So how has your experience with Akash been so far? What are your plans from here and what can Akash do to help support and scale what you're working on?
3: Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, there's so much, possib- so much possibility, uh, but to be fully transparent, we're early in the stages of integrating um, the Akash tech on scale. We have tried it out and we have uh, we have some of our devs who've like, experimented with it. And the good news is we've deployed the mask software in the cache using CloudMOS, uh, which was awesome. Um, so it's great to do that so far. We've got the steps documented and just working through those and just looking at efficient ways to, um, you know, allow that to, to be out to the public, to scale it a bit. Um, we've also, for those who are technical, we've made and refined a Docker image for the mask software. Um, and... and leveraging some technology from Terraform. So us being really technical, we loved the fact that on your Discord, I saw wow they're supporting. They've got a Terraform module, so uh, we've got some of that in the works as well to take advantage of that uh, scripted deployment that can be done on scale. And for those who aren't technical, this means we're essentially going to have a way to if you want to if you want to spin up two or twenty mask servers uh, with these tools, you'll be able to. So our plans from here are to keep refining it, beta um, test with it. Super excited for the IP leasing feature because that's going to be. Uh, critical for this to work well on scale and make it public. Hopefully in the mask, uh, in the a cash app marketplace, we'll have masks there um, and let the community have some fun.
1: Awesome, all right. Well, I've got one last question for you, Kauri, but Greg here, I'd also like you to weigh in on this is you and Anil will be touching on some of this at Masari Mainnet next week. So Kauri, for you, one thing that sets mask apart is your approach to software development. Can you tell us more about your user-first approach to software development and how you think clean, intuitive tools will impact the adoption of Web three?
3: Yeah, that's that's probably the most important question of today. I mean, Mask is great, but hey, you know that's actually really important because we're all builders, and most of us here. So, I mean, to be honest, when you're dealing with such complex and technical product solutions, something like Mask, for example. It's easy to forget that it's got to be simple to use. You know, like in our team, we joke all the time. Hey, if grandma can use mask, we've won the Web3 Internet, right? And we laugh about it, but it's like, it's serious. It has to be that simple or else you you almost can't break out of that niche that you might be in and hit critical mass, you know? So this aspect isn't just unique to mask, you know, it's it's unique to lots of projects, especially especially things that are fundamentally rooted in decentralization, right? Because you have to almost beat out the centralized crowd because the more decentralized you are, the more powerful it is. But that is totally dependent on scale. So um, yeah, we we've we've understood that without users, web three is just gonna be a concept. Um, it relies on users to host, to own the content, to traverse the levels of interaction between infrastructure and applications. So you know, mass adoption is going to take a lot of time. Um, and you can relate it uh, quite well to the way people use money every day, right? And comparing it to crypto, like for a lot of people, crypto is still quite confusing. Uh, it's techie, um, multi-chain, software wallets, seed words, private keys. It's enough to, like, get the people a bit crazy. You know, they they get scared off. Um, but if you focus on the user experience first instead of the tech, you get people having a pleasant experience going in you can they can use your product quickly and in a more like scaled way and that means when your product is out of quality assurance your go-to market strategy can be fast and effective and that's really what we've been working hard on literally for years now on top of our software uh, underlying tech is is getting a you know the actual Onboarding and new user experience to be smooth. Um, it was so important for us because if someone can't use our software in a few minutes, they're not going to stick around. Let's be fair, um, especially when we're you know we're, we're rooting it in a browser sort of solution. Um, and real quick, a funny story: uh, we recently had a community member go from install to browsing, and he used a stopwatch to time it. He did it under in one minute, one minute thirty seconds. What I thought was funny is his name is Chicken. Just chicken in Discord. So now we can ask him how long it takes a chicken to cross the mass network. For him, it was one minute, 26 seconds. So I thought that was pretty
1: funny. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. And, and Greg, so Akash began with the desire to make a developer's life easy. How do you think the current developer experience of Web3 tools is impacting decentralization and Web3 adoption?
2: Oh, uh, so is that a question for me? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> busy digesting uh how is the i'm the ones who's supposed to be sleeping rather <laughs> <laughs> than talking but hey i really like the the emphasis on user uh, experience like i think one of our uh well, i'm mean, zach zach horn if you're in the call and he deployed he's he's our content manager at a cash network uh core team at overclock labs and he he was able to deploy a um a website using a cache uh, uh, using using cloudmoss on a cache within sixty seconds, so I think that's that's a milestone right there um, and we beat you by thirty seconds <laughs> um, i the so the experience of deploying on um decentralized network is not great right now. it's even though you're able to do simple things like deploying websites within sixty seconds, but to do complex you know. Complex stuff. It's not that easy, right? And I think all of us are, you know, getting to the point, uh, you know, of easiness. And easiness is not just about reducing the number of steps or improving your education or improving how your product is visualized, but also like. Really thinking deeply as to how systems interact, right? The interaction, like how does a secret network interact with Akash, right? How does the interoperability experience going to look like? How is uh, the whole nine yards of like, hey, we are in this like token economy, right? So how are people, uh, you know, first of all, going to change the behavior from using token from using credit cards to using tokens? There are lots of, you know complicated problems. And on top of that, you know, engagement, right? How are people going to be engaged when we don't have an email address we can contact, when you can't send a notification? How how are we going to look at acquisition uh, with lack of this basic infrastructure that Web2 is used to, right? So a lot of uh, user experience just goes beyond uh, just, you know, adding visuals or, you know, uh, making it easy to click. But, But really, I think like, it's about designing these this desirable developer experiences, right? So on that front, I think Web three has perhaps the best opportunity to redefine how developers and uh, use and and I mean just look at uh, open source systems because it has a network component to it, right? So the big difference between uh, the the open systems that are prominent so far versus Web three is that. Web three comes with functionality, whereas open systems don't come with functionality. For example, like if I were to, uh, uh, you know, if I were to use something like Docker, right? So I can go download Docker, I can run Docker locally. I mean, it it works, but the real power of Docker is not running locally, but it's really running on a, on a cloud. When you have to deploy the Docker container on a cloud, you you have to go to a different system, right? Whereas, uh, you know with something like Web3, you even though you use uh, an open-source software, it comes with a network capability where you can fully realize the power of the software, right? So I think uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of interoperability, in terms of developer, developer experience uh, uh, design. And we're getting there. Um, and uh, and we're not going to get there by ourselves. And the beautiful thing about Web3 is this 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 ecosystem uh, of development, like someone like CloudMOS, Uh, can build on top of uh, Akash without needing permission from the core team that built Akash in the first place, right? Uh, And with the guarantee that this API is going to be around even without Overclock Labs going away as the company that created Akash Network. The confidence it gives to developers goes a long way because we all know what happened in the Web2 era, especially during like the the open web, uh, the promise of Web2, which, you know, really started off with a very positive note with, all APIs being open, Twitter API being open, Facebook API being open, and inviting a lot of people to build on top of their platforms. But the moment they got success, these platforms became super closed. The Twitter shut down all the APIs, right? So I remember having a Twitter a little Twitter program uh, that got shut down because some one day Twitter just woke up and you know decided not to give me API access. So all the hundreds of hours of work I put into building this app. Around Twitter was gone, right? You don't have the problem in Web three. And it's very, very important as a developer to have that. You know, some especially if someone has been through the trauma of like, you know, trusting a platform that's going to give me permissionless access, and suddenly waking up one day and realizing that access is gone, right? So we don't have the problem in Web three, and that is going to be the center piece of uh, why Web3 is going to be successful. And if we can improve the developer experience, especially around interoperability, I think I think this is going to go places where Web2 has not even, um, can't even come close. So I'm very, very confident uh, on, on on where we're going. And news, and news like this, like DOD and, you know, uh, stuff like this is just another like little milestones we, we count on the way, but, you know, we have a long way to go and we're going there very, very fast
1: guys, with that, let's open up our AMA with questions for Greg and Kauri. Um, We have Sefi here uh, requesting to speak. Sefi, while I bring you up, let me go ahead and get started with a question for Kauri, then we'll jump to you. Greg, we have some questions for you from Jan Papa J. Um, So, Kauri, we have a person on Telegram who has written in. Isn't this something similar that Sentinel is doing with their DVPN and decentralized nodes? That was their question.
3: Sure. I was waiting for, uh, you know, fellow projects in the same similar niche to be mentioned. Um, And of course, there's plenty of room for all of us uh, because most of them are unique. So, you know, to answer that in terms of uh, Sentinel's tech, I mean, we've taken it, and it abstracted it even further. So we're not using a single VPN point-to-point connection for all of the users' traffic. We're actually hopping it like Tor across uh, three other users to get the content. So um, while both have merit, you know, both two different approaches uh, to provide a similar outcome, um, ours is, is a lot more robust, and there's no central point of failure. So uh, we've sort of built it, and I didn't use this technical term in our in our um, chat, but we refer to our network as a mesh network uh, because there's many points that are interconnected within our network. So um, hopefully that answers the question. We're still, you know, generally decentralized in the same way, but users are interconnected with many nodes as opposed to just one.
1: Thank you. Steffi. go ahead with your question. Arnold, we see you. We'll get you set up right after a question from John Papajay for Greg after Steffi, Sefi, go for it.
4: Yeah, good morning, guys, uh, or whatever it is for uh, New Zealand. Um, <laughs> the uh, I think this is a good segue to my question. Uh, yeah, mine was actually related to like Brave Browser. Maybe you could compare and contrast sort of like what they do uh, compared to what you're creating as well. Because um, I think right now people have options like, you know, using a, a VPN service and then maybe using a browser. Uh, they have options like Sentinel, which is kind of like this, uh, a slightly different VPN type service that you kind of compared to, yeah. Maybe w- w- how is your browser different than Brave, and why might people want to consider this instead of that?
3: Yeah, good question too, because um, you know, like it, it there's so many, um, there's so many unique projects out there, and and I think Brave, they started out with amazing. Like I followed them for so many years, and I was excited to see some of the things they were experimenting with, um, and their, their sort of core. In my mind, their sort of core approach was to give the power of advertising back to the users themselves, right? So the whole incentive at the beginning was, you know, you don't get ads if you don't want them. But if you watch them, you can get monetized rewards, right? And then, you know, that was a, that was a, a big fundamental piece of it. And then they had brave reward partners who would put ads on their sites and, and also earn. So it was, like, was kind of like an advertising um, ecosystem, too. And so that's all well and good. Um, Ours is is sort of more like no frills where we've taken away ads. So we've actually got a built-in ad blocker. uh, But we're firmly focused on making Web3 native type of features. So someone who first uses our browser is not even going to realize that almost the entire stack from network to software is decentralized in some way. Um, So... For example, you're routing your traffic through several other users. That's decentralized. Um, you know, you're going to fetch a DApp store that we've built in through, uh, you know, a GitHub repo, which is content curated by the community with different partners. So those sort of user features are a bit decentralized too. Your blockchain services will go through. Hopefully some other partners we're looking at, but that would be in a decentralized way, not just to Infura. So if Infura decides to shut down, you're not blocked from doing crypto stuff. And also you're, you know, you're enjoying the privacy through a decentralized way, multiple hops and those sort of things. So we're we're sort of like trying to embrace and become a really um, embodiment of the Web3 aspect. And uh, what we're hoping, too, is we'll attract developers who want to build on our technology and make even cooler stuff and plugins and all sorts of things that will really leverage uh, how, we can, how we can operate on the network protocol layer. So hopefully for, that answers for, some of your questions. Yeah, it <laughs>
4: does. Um, from a safety perspective, like, are, you guys are, what, Chromium-based, or what, what is the browser tech involved here?
3: yeah it's chromium based uh, we We fetch from the public repo and we deploy an electron. so every time we do a build or send an over the air update, we're getting the latest updates uh, for um, users because obviously security's got to be paramount, especially if you're doing anything with privacy as a, a fundamental part of your technology. so um, that's absolutely you know top of the list for us when determining you know using things as safely as possible um, and it also lets us build on top of that in a more open source way. So we managed to get MetaMask to work natively. Like, it's not like we've had to fork them and, and adapt their software. We're using a Chrome extension uh, for MetaMask, which also opens up an opportunity to use other extensions, uh, other wallets, other ecosystems, uh, tech uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's how we've deployed that.
1: Um, so Greg, as a preview of next week, uh, we'll be at Masari, but guys, we will still be coming to uh, talk with you next Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific. As always, Greg will have updates. We'll have our partner Spear on the show. And then Greg and our CFO Chang will be talking token unlock. Greg, the question this week is from John Papajay. You're having another vesting unlocking coming. How many tokens are unlocking? Who are the VCs and what cell action is the core team expecting? Arnold will get you set up as Greg answers this question.
2: Uh, great. And before I get there, I think what Seffel and very important point: like how is security right? Like so, a big problem today with the office software is uh, the supply chain, right? I, uh, there is if you know if the supply chain that means the the production of the code. To the delivery of the code, if that's not secure, there could be opportunities for people to insert malicious code, right? And we saw that happen quite a lot. Um, and so, so Karu, uh, are you, what are you guys doing to in, in, you know to ensure that there are no supply chain uh, attacks?
3: Yeah, it's a very good point too, because um, that does happen in some avenues nowadays, especially when things are open and, and people just. Well, developers might not have like a robust way to check um, or have, you know, code contamination from things. Um, so we do have a pretty, pretty robust uh, QA process as well. But um, on the technical level, what's important to note is this software we've built. It's the UI and the app we're shipping that people are using. That's an abstraction on top of our core software. So really, you could run a bare bones mask uh, user node with just the binaries that are shipped officially from us with no ui you can run it from this from the command line and you can open up um, the settings for your network on your machine and, and enjoy the same technology without a nice looking user interface so you know if anything was compromised with that we would Uh, You know, not that it would be, but if if anything was compromised with the app, uh, we could still run the software, run completely securely from our shipped binaries um, with the open source code base, which we have on GitHub. And uh, people can still use it. And and in fact, most people that we expect will run on a a cache are going to be running just the vanilla binaries from from mask um, without a UI. So they'll be running it from command line.
2: It's incredible. I think I can see an opportunity here. A big problem today uh, with crypto is, um, you know, verifiable supply chain, right? I'm talking about even just regular front ends, right? Like, how do you know a Uniswap website is legit, right? There's a lot of attack points on the front end that are not being addressed. And actually this is a big problem that we've been talking about. We in the sense, um, you know, our, our friends at RV, I mean, Sam Williams, and a bunch of others that you know you know uh, host front ends and whatnot, right so I think one way to this is a great opportunity where if you can integrate somehow uh all the way from code creation be it like Utopia uh, to like radical some of these new projects where where they uh, you know where they are the first touch points for for developers. The, the the creators and the builders of the, of the platform, all the way to Akash, which is the deployment, right? So you can imagine a scenario where a, a build on Radical or Gitopia gets deployed, a verified build, right? Verify that the developer is legit, they write the code that gets uh, on chain, uh, on Akash deployment that is verifiable, and that can go into a deployment, which is also verifiable. So now you can uh, essentially create the entire verifiable supply chain and have the guarantees that what you're running in terms of code is actually legit. And also, if you're a browser, I think you can go one step further and add that verifiability, uh, you know, add a warning right right in front. If you're not fully sure, you can even give them option to completely run the infrastructure yourself, right? So uh, you know for me, like if I don't trust that, Uniswap Labs or whatever, because there are lots of, lots of DNS attacks, right? I mean, most of, I mean, you seem quite, I mean, I would say majority of the hacks uh, for the front-end standpoint have been a DNS attack vectors, right? because DNS again is secured by these centralized companies like GoDaddy, which is easily attacked by uh, clever social engineering and happens a lot, right? So somehow if we can like, like solve the problem of like, if you don't trust this like your website, run your own website, run your own sort of like deployment on a cache that's fully verifiable all the way from source code and have those guarantees back to people. And that also gives you like, also aligns really well, I think with just privacy mask is, uh, you know, guaranteeing. A big problem, another problem is we saw with these wallets, right, with the uh, with the Solana wallets, forgot the name, I did this analysis where we found out that they were sending private keys in mnemonic keys uh from your from your device back to the uh back to the server, not intentionally, but using one of their using uh, uh an analytics software, right? I forgot the name. It was by accident they're actually sending this uh mnemonic keys because they're logging as a developer, you log things. You know, that's the kind of dumb shit that we don't want to see, right? So unless you have sovereign runtime, uh, that guarantees that no logs are being shipped, all the logs are local, uh, you know, there's no information that's going, leaving your device that, you know, you don't want to see only interaction that happens from the device to the RPC server, which should be also like, you know, fully sovereign. I think uh, it's, it's incredibly uh, powerful and incredible opportunity for us to solve together.
3: Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just jump in. I, I've been looking at a project for a while. You might really like the, this. It might interest you, Greg. I'll send you a link in DM. Uh, if you if you might if you've heard of Mallows, um, they've actually looked at a uh, an approach where they're minting an NFT that is a provable version of a front end. And so, if you deploy that uh, as a as a website as a DApp, it would have versionable front ends um that's that you know and you can open you can look at it to see if it's got the right smart contracts in the background and it's like verifiable and then if they did an upgrade they mint a new nft and say this is version 1.2 and it's all verifiable open it's it was actually a really cool idea and it's it's something i've been looking at too
2: sounds cool i mean I i don't understand nft angle but verifiable front ends is definitely cool uh but yeah happy to take a look at it. Um so the cost of uh, so the token unlock questions now uh, source of FUD, let's address it uh what the first question is uh how many tokens are being unlocked uh, so i think it's twenty million tokens are being unlocked on september twenty fifth uh, it's coming up in ten days and uh out of that i think 8.6 million tokens are not in teams control in the sense that these are essentially investors or uh, uh essentially seed investors uh are unlocking we are pretty confident that nobody's selling in this market uh so the sale price for akash seed uh was 15 cents so right now akash is trading at 30 cents so i mean still it's double but nobody's actually like people that we think uh, are investors are not going to settle for a 2x price, right? And I think um, some of them, there's indication that some of them may have exited during a uh, bull market um, uh, from the awards. So I think like uh, people we've been talking to all is going to be holding. I mean, so we're not expecting any sell action. I think we hopefully we hit the bottom again. This is not in my control. So I can't really say anything. Uh, so who are some of these investors? So, again, we raised this capital in t- 2018 um, from when the capital was very, very hard to raise. Uh, and so we raised quite a lot from uh, the ecosystem itself, not big VCs. Uh, some of the bigger uh, investors in Akash are Dokia Capital, uh, Outpost Capital, Cipher Capital, SNZ, uh, huabi 4 I don't think anyone any of those guys are selling. Uh we looked at the wallet. Um Kava Labs uh, is another one. Uh Kava obviously is a big validator. The reason why they have a huge uh delegation is because they haven't sold their tokens, they've been vesting and they've been staking from on day one and and they also recently announced that they're using some of their AKT to to uh to encourage their validators to de- deploy on Akash, so they're they're one of those class of investors where they also happen to be big users of Akash. So pretty confident. Uh, S- Sunny Agarwal, uh, Sika, who's founder of uh, Osmosis, is a bu- huge Akash holder. Uh, and uh, uh, Osmosis, for those of you who don't know, was bootstrapped using AKT. Sunny holds. So yeah, the pool number three and pool number four, that means the first pools that are not Osmo pools or AKT pools. And the reason for that is because, uh, you know, Sonny, uh personally holds a ton of Akash. Uh, Jack Zamplin that we all know and love holds a ton of Akash. So his, his uh, validator, uh, if you look at his account, you'll be able to see. So these are some of the validators that some of the investors that uh, Akash raised from in 2018 to 2020 timeframe. Um, and... Uh, you know, it, this is a bear market. I think no, I mean, selling tokens is the last thing on people's mind. Uh, and most of the investors, if they're smart, are acquiring tokens, right? So, um, so uh, we really don't think there's going to be a lot of selection. But again, this is markets I have no control over. But good thing is, this is the last unlock for investors. There is no more unlock for investors. There's one more unlock in general, and that's all team tokens. Because team unlock uh, at the uh, uh, at the, la- at the end, so you know after in ten days we can put the unlock fud uh, behind us uh, and move on. Whatever happens happens on that day, and and move on. Right. So you know if any selection happens, let it happen at bear market because when the bull market comes, uh, we don't have any of this fud. It's going to be pure, fully fully unlocked, fully vested token supply and the real price, uh, you know, uh, is what uh, the fully unlocked token supply is. So hopefully that an- answers uh, lots of questions. And uh, what is Overclock Labs policy on unlocked tokens? Um, we don't have a policy. I mean, there is, um, you know, there's very little liquidity in the market. So we are seeing some OTC deals that we're trying to facilitate for people that want to sell, but nobody came forward. Asking us to 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 buy the tokens, uh, we will generally buy back any tokens. I mean, thirty cents, I think, is is ridiculously low, right? So, um, we're we're here for for long term. We're not going anywhere. Uh, so for us, we're trying to acquire as many tokens as we can. So any good deals from investors that want to offload, we will we'll actually buy them back. We did quite a lot in the last unlock uh, happened, uh, but unfortunately, FUD took over. Uh, most of the sales did not come from investors. Most of the sales actually came from public. Uh, so because of the FUD uh, last time. And I think, you know, there, there are people that genuinely want to see Akash fail and they're going to continue FUDDING, right? So uh, you know, we're we can choose to respond to the FUD or we can choose to keep building, but we chose to keep building. Uh, sometimes people come piss me off and I you know respond to them. Uh, on my own thread, but you know, well, I'm uh I'm starting to do less and less of that because it's just not worth worth my time. Um anyway, so our policy is like we'll buy back if any tokens, uh if any uh you know uh, uh investors want to sell. Uh and uh, we're actively engaging and we are actively finding other other investors that want to buy them, right? So uh, we'll facilitate a OTC transaction if need be so that we can keep these uh off-market.
1: Uh, off Arnold, thank you so much for stopping by again. It's great to see you. Go ahead with your question and then guys, we'll begin wrapping up.
5: Thank you, Nadia, and thank you. Thank you, everyone. It's, uh, it's lovely to be with you once again. Um, firstly, I'd like to say um, just how bursting with excitement I am as to Akash's potentiality Um, I say this uh, from uh, an obvious macro perspective because if you just look at, um, you know, the function, um, you know, that a a cash provides and what it's doing for the world right now and what the major players are doing, that in itself uh, is tremendous potentiality. The second thing which I'd say from my perspective as someone who's been uh, designing and building companies for many years is that a cash as a primitive creates some absolutely mind-blowing potentials for systems and business models. And I am just completely bringing uh, with, with, with excitement with regard to that. But, but just to, um, to focus on, on what's been spoken about in this, in this session, um, I've been really, really overjoyed with uh, the focus that there's been on both uh, the usability, both from the perspective of, um, of the user, but also from the perspective of engineers. Um, I've just over the last week executed um, a prototype deployment um, on um, uh, both using Prater and also their cache documentation. And I'd say that the documentation was good. Um, what I wanted to get at is given how massive the potentiality is for a cache. Uh, perhaps documentation um, you know could be seen actually as a value center, um, and I was really, really happy to hear about the technical um, classes that are going on. Um, but kind of there's a possibility of taking that even further and really going you know in deep in documentation and knowledge sharing and knowledge management um, to the extent of even where you're dealing with the multi audit rather than just setting that as something which, um, you know, someone is subjected to, Akash could actually create a system for training and educating people and getting them up to the level. So it's opening up as wide as possible. Is that something which you've been thinking about, Greg, in terms of using documentation, knowledge sharing, and knowledge management as a real center of value creation, especially as Akash is going to do so many new things, that helping people to understand it is going to be critical.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, don't know. I mean, so documentation, what we have is not even close to what we want. And there's a portal, we're developing a new we develop a portal that's going to replace the documentation side. A documentation is very very limited. it It's decent, but it's not great. Um, and uh, for me, a great documentation side is not. I mean, it gives you the manual the instructions and whatnot, but also it gives you the guides and education, walks you through a lot of uh, scenarios, right? So, I mean, it's a constant battle, right? It's just a uh, that that uh, we have, you know, enormous amounts of work. We're cleaning up a lot. Actually, we're also hiring a full time documentation person, a content, a, a technical right. person that will, you know, hopefully uh, boost our efforts. But yes, it's a it's a priority um, uh, for us, and uh, we're actually going to announce something soon at Masari Mainnet. Um, which will take documentation to the next uh, next step. So keep an eye out. I don't want to you know ruin the surprise, but but great. A lot of work <laughs> But if you feel like you can contribute in any way that you have ideas, please you know reach out to I me. Mean, I think we have. A yeah, point.
5: I have. I have a ton, Greg. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm bursting with them, but probably I'll save them for a, a more you know discursive format. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I look forward to getting into them. As I say, I'm all in on this. Amazing. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Craig. Thank you very much. All right. Um with that we have um uh, we're over time. We have one more question. Marie, we can get you in, but make it a very quick question, please. Thank you for stopping by. Super quick question. We're just about to wrap up. Hi. No, I actually don't have any questions. I just really like to be a speaker in any space that I'm in just in case I have a question or something to say. So I always request. But it's good to see you guys. And I'm just I'm just here to listen and learn. Oh, awesome. We're so glad to have you. Happy you stopped on in? Um, We'll see you next week then. Um, All right. With that, guys, thanks so much to Greg and Kauri Hero for joining us on Spaces today. And a huge thank you to all of you for joining today or listening to this later. Before we get together next time, Kauri, where can everyone go to learn more about MASK and the MASK and Akash partnership?
3: Oh, yes. Um, yeah. First of all, uh, Discord is a great place to engage with all of our team, including the developers, and get chances at uh, trying out the beta the beta app. So you can go to discord.gg slash mask. Um, also check out our website, mask.ai. Uh, we do have a, uh, a telegram, um, mask underscore AI, and also on Twitter, mask underscore AI as well. Um and we're all pretty friendly. So feel free to come on in. Say you're from the Akash community, want to learn more. Um, and we'll yeah, we'll we'll have you um taken care of. So look forward to seeing you all and thanks for all of your guys' time having me on today. Hopefully I didn't talk your ear off on my coffee buzz.
1: <laughs> no, no, never. Thank you so much for stopping by. We so appreciate it and we so appreciate you staying up late for us. Guys, before uh the next spaces, let's keep in touch. Um, In between spaces right now, go sign up for our newsletter at akash.network slash connect. While you're there, check out our latest blog and also look out for a guest post from Del Rey. Head over to Telegram on Friday where Cowrie will return for an AMA at 10 a.m. UTC. Stick around on Telegram for a quiz immediately following the AMA with a 2,000 mask prize pool, plus a chance to grab one of five testing spots to test new features on Mask Network. We've got a jam-packed Friday for you, so also set your reminders for Friday, 10.30 a.m. Pacific, when Greg stops by Masari's Twitter spaces for a chat on the state of decentralization in crypto. On Tuesdays, hop on over to Discord for quizzes at 8 a.m. Pacific, with 200 AKT in rewards and five winners. Join us next week, Wednesday, 8 AM Pacific for our next Akash Weekly Spaces with Greg. Tap that set reminder button as soon as we post it. Don't forget to deploy on Akash. Check out our documentation at docs.akash.network. Head to our Discord group for a little bit more support. Or if you want to watch uh, how to walk through a deployment, Technical Program Manager Alani Kuya walks you through your first deployment on our YouTube channel. Also check out akash.network slash community and find out how you can spread the word about Akash and help this project grow by becoming an Akash Insider. Thank you so much for joining today's event. Thanks again to Greg and Kauri for spending time with us. See you next Wednesday with Greg.
0: Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Akash Weekly with Greg Asuri featuring Mask Network. Recorded on Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Magic and rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing. Left debating great methods. A mace to play Inception. The base stay blessed. See, even with these huge. <laughs> Another day, another lesson. Living in the 8th dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish. Out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Aw oh, shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence like we forgot how to choose